0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is our Stock Watch Wednesday episode, which means we are taking a look at the NFL draft order as it stands right now following week 10 in the NFL. We're going to take a look at what the draft order was the week prior. We're going to see the movement from all the teams. Who's picking a little bit higher in the order? Who's picking lower because of the wins and losses that we saw this past weekend? And we're going to evaluate what kind of players and what kind of strategies a lot of those teams in the top 15 could be deploying if this is the final order if they were picking in this spot if the draft were this weekend we're also going to give you six players that we watch from over the weekend tell you their stocks whether we think it's up down and where we believe they could be drafted i'm trevor sykema with me as always is connor rogers let's ring the bell the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys on a Wednesday edition of the show, which means it is time for a little stock market update. We're talking about players and prospects for the 2023 NFL Draft. It could be on the up, could be on the down. But also, Connor, because it is that time of the year, we're going to give a stock market update to the draft order itself. November and December are the exciting times where we really pay attention to the draft order as it changes every single week different look every single time we do this podcast here even though the names might be the same the order of where they're picking could end up changing everything so we figured we should probably look at this on a weekly basis from now on which my friend i am very excited to get to because it always makes for a good conversation of what could be come april me too
1: i think this show has evolved from being just our introducing a lot of different players that are on the rise or could be on the rise and very early draft surface level kind of stuff to now you got to connect the how the league is factoring into this you know this giant puzzle uh, honestly it's I'm sure there are fans of the Texans the Raiders the Panthers uh the Eagles because they have the Saints pick that want to hear how the top 15 top 10 top 5 is looking of the draft so it is. This is honestly where it gets really, really fun because now you could start to dream big. You could start thinking of those Jersey swap, uh, <laughs> photoshops and coming to life and all of that. So it's exciting, man. But like we always do, we will do the top 15, top 10, top five, but we
0: will, uh, end this show with our players on the rise as well. Yeah. Um, always, uh, Always fun to get into Jersey Swap season. That's always my favorite part. Y'all out there, there's so many talented graphics designers who have just either freelanced it or do it for a living or whatever it is. That y'all never cease to amaze me how quick and you are with uh, some, with not how these so much. Go.
1: Some really bad swaps out there that make my day just as much as the good ones. I want to be clear: the ones that look like they have a flak jacket on or whatever it may be, big helmets. I I want to let you know that I appreciate those just as much. So thank you very much. I'm
0: I'm an extremely amateur like jersey swap person. Well, I'll, where I will do like the terrible cutout of a guy's head and then just using the Instagram app, just like place the head, just like straight on yep. an image that already exists. That's me. That's I love my those. that's my level of jersey swapping. But it doesn't really get much. Uh, it doesn't get much more skilled than that. So about that's that's about as far as I go in that
1: world. I love it. All right, let's um. Let's take a look. I mean, let's get into it as plenty of teams that have been losing, continue to lose this weekend. If you listen to what matters most, isn't funny, kind of funny, Trevor, it's, I'm sure the people that listen to all three shows, we do it a week or at least the first two of the week. Mm -hmm. It's like if you root for one of the teams that barely got any play on what matters most. The good news is your teams get all of the play (laughs) the following show. So we're all about balance here on the NFL Stock
0: Exchange. That is very true. That's actually a great way to look at it. I never even thought about it like that. And you're right. I do feel bad for a lot of the, the teams that we don't talk about on Monday just because we're we're out here talking about a lot of the teams that are winning, that are playing in the biggest games, that have a lot of playoff implications. But then Wednesday, we're we're right around here giving the full scope for NFL fans that didn't get a lot of uh get, didn't get a lot of words on Monday. Here you're gonna get plenty of words on a Wednesday. So which which one should we do first? Do you want me to read off the order as it stands right now, or do you want me to read the order as it was last week and then do how it is now?
1: Let's go through the new order, maybe highlight okay. if there were any massive changes, and then really get into the meat and potatoes of what some of these picks could
0: be. Okay, all right. So I'll fire this off. This is what the order is following week 10 in the NFL. Houston Texans still have the number one overall pick, so not a change there. Las Vegas Raiders now sitting at number two overall. Those are two teams that have separated themselves from the pack. The Houston Texans are seven, or sorry, one seven and one and then the Las Vegas Raiders are two and seven. The rest of these teams that I'm going to name either have three wins or four wins as we go through the top 15 Carolina Panthers are sitting there at number three. And there's a handful of teams tied for number for hold on. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams with three wins or either three and six or three and seven. So obviously the teams that are three and seven are going to be a little and bit higher in the order. Four of right.
1: those don't have their own picks. Oh, we're not it crazy. Yeah, it's great. Be... Like you have all these teams that have the same records, but most of them don't even have their picks. So you have all these other fan bases that are having a good year that are rooting for that race to break up.
0: I, well, I want to, I want to have that exact conversation in a second. Let me, I'll get through the order. Carolina sitting here at number three. The Philadelphia Eagles, because the New Orleans Saints, are sitting there at number four. New Orleans is three and seven, just having a terrible season. But Philly owns that pick, crazy enough. Jacksonville, they're back in the top five. They're currently picking number five overall. Chicago Bears at number six. Then we've got the Seattle Seahawks via the Denver Broncos. The Detroit Lions via the Los Angeles Rams. And the Houston Texans via the Cleveland Browns at seven, eight, and nine. Pittsburgh's at 10, Detroit's at 11, Atlanta Falcons at 12, Arizona Cardinals at 13, Green Bay Packers are sitting there at 14, and then the uh, the Indianapolis Colts sitting there at 15. We talked a little bit last week whether or not the we thought the Colts were going to start to creep into the top 10. Not so fast, my friend. Not yet, at least. The Saturday era starting off 1-0, baby. Dude, it is wild that we have four picks in the top nine that do not belong to their original teams. Now, I'm wondering, my question to you is, Connor, do you think that this year, let's say that it ends up something like this, where all four of these picks are in the top 10, would that deter teams in the future? Do you think this draft in particular will deter teams from maybe going as all in towards the F them pick strategy that we've seen from the Rams and so many other teams, because you've realized, you have realize that, like, damn, okay, we got burned pretty hard here. <laughs> we made a trade that we thought was going to make a major difference for us, and now we're not even picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Because, shoot, man, even if you're not picking, like, late 20s like you thought, you start getting in the top 15, top 20, especially top 10, that hurts, man. That hurts the pride, and it hurts the team building a lot. So I'm curious, do you think that this is going to have a ripple effect in the next couple of years? Largely, no. Now, there are a
1: few examples of, yes, it, it does matter. It Process, right? This, that's what we're talking. We're talking about process here. The Rams would do that 100 times because they won yeah. a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. So the yeah. Rams, as much as they're probably not thrilled how this year has gone, you can never sit here and say the what the Rams did was not worth it because they won a Super Bowl. So they, And I'm not saying the Rams won the trade against the Lions. like It's not that. But the Rams definitely won the end they wanted. And the Lions can still win. It's actually a weird trade that could be like a, a grand slam for both sides. You look at the Browns, they had to know the situation that Watson was going to be suspended one of the years mm-hmm. that they were giving that selection to Houston. So, And they still think Watson can take them over the top. We'll see. So no. Denver, as much as you can poke holes in that process now. Like it, it I do think there is something to a lot of people overlooked that Russ was not necessarily the same guy at the end there in Seattle and some of it was health related and those mm-hmm. two things have carried over to Denver. Chasing a franchise quarterback is a process Trevor that we will never see go away. Like there, there'll be millions yeah, of teams lining point. up to do this again. The one and I saved it for last on purpose that we definitely, we criticized at the time. So this isn't, I'm not like straw man argument or anything like that here. There's a show somewhere in this feed of however many shows we've done, over 100 now. The, the Saints trade never really made a ton of sense, value-wise and process-wise. So they just thought they were better than they were. And the for the crowd that loves to scream, the cap is a myth. Eventually you do lose good players. If you always say that over and over again, and I I, like, I love Chris Alave and I get being aggressive for a player of his talent, but, and I know Trevor penning has been hurt. That's what a lot of people would counter to me. I don't really think Trevor Penning is going to be your savior franchise tackle. The saints process to me, Trevor is the one that you could poke holes in and teams should look around and go, man, you should know when to fold your cards and walk away from the table.
0: Yeah. That one's they thought tough. they were
1: still a contender this year.
0: They did still think that they were a contender this year. I thought I'm they'd be try- better than this. I did uh, yeah, I did too. Because mm. I'm I'm trying so the I'm trying to remember all of the elements of the Saints trade because I don't want to be too hard on it. Eagles well, I mean, traded kind of bad from the six, get-go. Eagles traded 16 and 19 for 18 overall, and then a 2023 first-round pick, and then a 2024 second-round pick. So essentially, the Saints, I think, went into this draft class saying that we wanted a top-tier offensive playmaker and we wanted an offensive tackle. And obviously, you're sitting there, you only have pick number 18. You can't check both of those boxes with only one pick. So they made a calculated risk, thinking that they were going to be better next year, that their pick was going to be lower than, say, either 16 or 19 was going to be, and it was going to be justifiable. So you get two first-round picks in 2022. It was going to slingshot them to be better. They were going to get Michael Thomas back. The uh, Jameis Winston was going to be better. The defense was going to be better, all that kinds of stuff. It didn't work out, and it clearly didn't work out to what you were saying, where this is a crash and burn. Like they're Not only are they not picking lower than 16 or 19, they're picking fourth. And that's abysmal. And even that part I didn't expect. I'll and be I don't think anybody honest. really expected yeah. that. But it's it, that just kind of all of these trades, man, just go to the fact that like nothing is guaranteed. But I also agree with you. I I pose the question like this because I think a lot of people are going to be asking it. There's a lot of teams that got burned from trading first round picks. So is it going to be a sign of caution moving forward? Are teams going to be less? willing to do this i guess is the is is what i'm saying but to your point i agree with you no no i think that if you as yeah. long as you don't have hindsight involved then look every team that's making a deal when they make a deal thinks that they're getting the better of the trade that's why you make the deal you only make the deal if you think that it's going to help you in all of these situations you could argue that it was going to help all of these teams and that they would have been okay with it. And I don't really see that changing. It's hard to imagine that any franchise that would be willing to move on from a first round pick via a trade would think or believe that their roster wasn't in a spot where that was advantageous anyways. So I do, man, I I, I think that we're just going to continue to keep this trend moving forward. I think people are going to continue to trade their first round picks and especially when it's for quarterbacks and it's for these massive swings of the bat. I don't think there's going to be too much of a change there. So um, and one last
1: caveat, yeah, the, ahead, e- the Eagles also got a 2024 second rounder. Right. in that trade. So right. like you were right where you're betting on, you know, the over under is 16, mm-hmm. but even if they missed on that bet and they went over 16, they made up for it on the lovely points chart. With the insurance of that second rounder. That's why yes. they got that pick because they were like, now we can't lose no matter where the pick is because the value will always be on our side. It's either even or we win by a mile. They won by a mile.
0: They definitely Howie's won. good, man. He's very good at this. He is very good. He is very good. Look, a lot of people like to go after GMs because it's an easy thing to do because when the when the team doesn't play well for whatever reason, um, you, could, you could blame a lot of it on team building. But... And and another thing is that like being a general manager, especially in the draft world, it's a lot like baseball, right? Where <laughs> you look at baseball hitters, and if a guy hit four hundred, right, if he got on base four out of ten times, less than fifty you, percent, you'd call him a Hall of Famer, right? I don't know if the math is exactly like that for a general manager, but GMS are going to swing the bat and they're going to fail. That's just part of the job. That's what the job always is. You just want to make sure that you're still sound in your process and that you have logic behind everything that you're going to do. And I think that when things get bad for GMs, like if teams are disappointing one way or the other, it's very easy to point out a GM's mistakes. You know why? Because they're always going to exist. They're always going to be there. But you do have to kind of accept that, especially if you're an owner and you're in charge of these things. You can't be too rash with your decisions and you have to say like, hey, yeah, like every general manager is going to miss. Yeah, maybe the team's a little bit disappointing. But were we okay with the moves? Were we okay with the logic of those moves? Did they make sense? Well, okay. Then the moves that we're going to make moving forward, we've got to have faith that they're also going to turn out because the game is a little bit of luck, a little bit of chance as well. You know, you have to factor that in there. But anyways, now I'm going off on a tangent. No,
1: it's a great point. You're absolutely right Um, in a sense that because I've, now this isn't like a, you know, a flex in any sense, but people I've talked to that have either, um, you know, failed places or Mm -hmm. worked for GMs that have failed. The thing they will always tell you is that they make those moves that fans kind of react to like, really? Like that's the move you're making? Because you'd rather, like you said, Trevor, go up there and swing then take the chance of staring at three pitches down the middle and you're fired and you never get the shot again. Right. Right. You know, I think of it like all the GMs that, that don't get their chance because they tried to outline this four year plan and they don't really do anything the first two years. Then the team stinks. And then the owner's like, you know what, let's just move on from this anyway. Right. And you never get a shot again. So that mental part of it, plays plays into why those moves get made
0: yep yep no no doubt about it and shoot we have talked a lot about chris ballard here on this podcast Mm because the colts have been very much in the news but like ballard's even getting criticism for not swinging the bat right so and i think that that's just my overarching thing here is that when you judge general managers there will always be something to point to hey, you gave that guy a contract and he wasn't worth it. Hey, you made this draft pick and it wasn't worth it. Hey, you didn't make this move and it ended up not being worth it. That's just the general manager's job. And so going all the way back to Howie Roseman, like Howie Roseman has things that he failed at, right? Everybody, yep. some of the draft picks, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Andre Dillard, uh, um, Jalen Rager, right? A lot of these draft picks that just straight up did not pan out for them. And yet, here how he sits, probably going to win executive of the year because you of what he has been able to do he is able to he's been able to overcome those mistakes because his process i think has been very sound and he's continued to um follow his gut if you will not be scared to do what he needs to do and i think that that's an important quality for a general manager um, it's
1: it's a great point it really is it's it's just part of the process man that yep. guys have to pick their spot but they you do have to choose at some point
0: and that's if any general man or if any uh, NFL team owner is listening to this podcast, just so you know, we, Connor and I put it all out there. If you want us to co-GM a team, we can do that for you. Just I mm-hmm. want to make sure that that any NFL owner out there knows that we, we will co-GM your NFL team.
1: We are saying we will go balls to the wall <laughs> when we get that <laughs> job. That's what we're we're letting you know, is that we are going to – it might not be well-received. It might not even work. We're going to offer
0: – Four top 50 picks for Brian Burns. That's what we're going to do.
1: No, okay, probably not. Four. Oh man! Let,
0: okay. So I did want to highlight a little bit of the changes since this is the stock exchange podcast. I feel like a good way to talk about the draft order every single week is to identify some up and down with teams. Okay. Houston, we said they're number one. They were number one last week as well. Carolina and Las Vegas, they flip spots. Last week, Carolina was picking number two. Now Las Vegas is picking number two. So Vegas kind of in the driver's seat there. Pittsburgh Steelers are picking four last week. This week, they're picking 10 because of their big win lions they were also they were picking fifth last week they're picking 11th now again because of their big win um philadelphia eagles they were picking six now they're picking fourth arizona cardinals seventh cardinals now at 13 they go way down because they won jacksonville was picking eight now they're picking five chicago bears nine now they're picking six green bay at 10 now 14 uh oh seattle oh seattle took a jump seattle was 11 now they're sitting there at seven um and then a couple of the other traded teams, that they're, they're moving up a little bit because all of those teams lost as well. Indianapolis, Atlanta Falcons, um, Washington Commanders, they're all still sitting around that 12 to 16 range, so not a ton of shakeup there. But, Connor, I said that there's nine teams right now with three wins. Nine teams. They either have seven losses or six losses right now, depending on if they have had their bye week or not. That means that the margin for error, if you want a high pick, is very small every single win that you get right now is going to just drop you like a rock in the draft order. It's going to drop you out of the top five. It's going to drop you out of the top 10. It's going to get you all the way out of there, especially for the teams that were picking a lot higher due to their strength of schedule. But it looks like looks like Pittsburgh, obviously one of the big movers in the wrong direction. Well, depending on how you look at it, going the wrong direction at 10, Detroit sitting there at 11. I feel like Detroit's one of those teams where, man, you'd love for both of those picks to be in the top 10. They got pick number eight and they got pick number 11 right now, but for as much as I want to see. How far they, does that get you, right? Yeah, right. I, I, they, Detroit's one of those teams, man, that they got to get a little higher with those picks, I think. So that's that's kind of where, that's where my mind immediately goes with Detroit picking eight and 11 right now. You'd like both those picks in the top 10.
1: Imagine the Eagles are picking ultimately in its top five now i will say second just to make this real fun
0: with that saints pick and they get both of the lions picks to move back well that's yeah that's the that's the interesting part of this equation is it if philly ends up picking i mean even ah, probably not top four if Philly can get I mean, to the number, if Philly can get to the number two overall pick, because here's the thing: Detroit needs a quarterback, right? Yep. They, they, Detroit needs a quarterback. They cannot go into next year with Jared Goff. There's not a big quarterback market outside of what Lamar Jackson is going to do. I don't think Lamar Jackson gets out of Baltimore ultimately. So the rest of what you have is. I mean, maybe an Aaron Rodgers kind of trade, if that that just goes absolutely off the rails. Derek Carr, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, do you really want to invest in those guys? No, you need a young guy in there. So if Detroit's sitting here and they've got the, let's just say, 6th overall pick and 10th overall pick when it's all said and done, that's not good enough, I don't think. The quarterbacks that you want are probably going to be off the board at that point. And if Philly's sitting there at number two overall saying, you get one of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you just got to give me 6 and 10 to do it, Lions are probably doing that. Yeah, I think so. Lions are probably doing that. So,
1: and I agree with your other point. Like, I don't think those guys that you mentioned are better than Jared Goff
0: right now. You're saying it's taking like taking Aaron Rodgers on for fifty mil or taking on Derek Carr? Yeah,
1: or Jimmy G. I think Goff is definitely better than Jimmy G. I mean, Carr. There's an argument to be had, of course. Like, I think Goff. What people think Goff is versus what Goff actually is is very different. And I'm not saying here I'm on some Jared Goff stan or that he's a top-ten quarterback, but in that Lions offense, you could do a lot worse than Jared Goff where he's if you're making the move, it needs to be substantially better, not almost lateral.
0: Here's the, here's the biggest issue for me on what's going on with the Detroit Lions. And I know we're spending a lot of time talking about the Lions, but I really How do think – yeah, I think that this team really controls the top 10 because depending on where where one of these picks ends up, they're one of these teams that I think are going to have to get desperate depending on where the quarterback market is um, by the time that we get to April. It, you say that you could do a lot worse than Jared Goff, and I agree that you could definitely do a lot worse than Jared Goff, but Jared Goff doesn't save Dan Campbell or Brad Holmes jobs, I think. No, I agree. If if you go into next year with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes still in place as the general manager and the head coach, you can't also have Jared Goff because I can already tell you, you're not going to win enough football games to where those guys keep their job a year from now. So if that's the case, you might as well fire him now and you might as well cut Jared Goff now or one of the – like something, one or the other. You just – you can't run it back is basically what I'm saying. So Detroit does have the ability to hold the this, this draft, or at least the beginning of it, in the palm of their hand with what they end up doing. And I think that that's a, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a that's a major point right there. You mentioned Houston as well. Houston's sitting there at one. Houston's sitting there at nine currently. So they have to, two top 10 picks. They also control a lot of this draft right now. So I don't know. What about the rest of the order? Anything really stick out to you as it stands today?
1: I think, when Watson comes back and not that Jacoby has been an issue, but it feels like the Browns that Houston pick won't be top 10. We'll see. Mm -hmm. It feels like that. There could be movement there. I, I mean, what really stands out to me besides the musical chairs at quarterback with Houston, Las Vegas, Carolina, maybe Detroit, trying to make some moves to get up into that conversation. Atlanta kind of already won too many games and they play competitive football. So that's an issue is what that Jacksonville, Chicago area looks like for their young quarterbacks, right? You're assuming that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the quarterbacks for 2023, no matter how they finish this season right now, they both had highs. They both had lows this year, but they are obviously going to get that year three as they should. Jacksonville's at five Chicago's Mm -hmm. at six. The two questions are, what do they need to get those guys over the top, and is it present in the draft? And I think offensive line right away, because I don't really see this draft as at the moment of having a playmaker that goes in the top six picks that you think is going to change the game for you, and I don't really think either line has been overly good where you can sit there and say, man, they don't need a cornerstone in that spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at Chicago and I think that their offensive line has been a lot better as of late run blocking, right? But That goes back to kind of what we've talked about on Monday podcast. They know their identity. Like Chicago clearly knows their identity now for this year and it's running the football. It's either running the football in Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery's hands or it's Justin Justin, uh, Fields keeping it himself and adding another element to the run game. In order for the Chicago Bears to progress – In order for them to actually become a threat, they then have to pass the ball better. Not only is that a thing about Justin Fields himself passing the ball better, being more accurate, getting the ball placement where it needs to be, that also means you've got to get better pass blockers on the offensive line. You've got to address some of that. And, of course, you've got to get better playmakers in the passing game as well. They went and they traded for Chase Claypool, so they're hoping that that's an addition for them there. But I truly believe that they're still missing that wide receiver one type. If they can go out and get a wide receiver one type, and I don't know if that's in that draft. I mean, maybe it's Quentin Johnston, but I I also think I'm gonna be honest with you. I like Quentin Johnston. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think we're overvaluing for him for just because the rest of the class doesn't really give you the ability that he does. I'm curious, is, I agree. is it you kind of, okay, so you do agree? I, mean, is is
1: I look at it like this because I try to think back to last year. I don't think he's better than Drake London. No. I don't think he's better than Garrett Wilson. Nope. I don't think he's better than jame Nope. Nope. He's not better I, than Chris Olave. I think Olave had a way higher floor coming into the league, a way yeah. more projectable floor.
0: Yeah. Who am yeah. I missing
1: that went really early? John, John Dotson. Dotson went early. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's a lot of the book to be written on Quentin Johnson's rest of his season and the evaluation, but I, I agree, Trevor. I think that's the issue is that. I think we've been really spoiled with these guys that come in and, and can elevate young quarterbacks right away. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't found that guy unless he goes to a perfect situation in this class. Mm-hmm. Like if you stick, right, like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been hurt, in, you know, the end of round one and you put them wherever, you know, the Ravens... uh the Chiefs, the Packers, these Ooh. wide receiver needy teams, the Cowboys. Right. You're like, yeah, he's gonna have a good rookie season. When you put those guys at the top of the draft with offenses that
0: are still trying to get their feet wet, you're like, I don't know. I don't know yet. I just don't know how much I just don't know how much they move the needle you know. Yeah. I'd, I'd love for there to be an absolute superstar. Like I'd love for there to be Garrett Wilson or Draco Olave, Draco Olave. Uh Drake, yeah, Drake London, Drake Olave. Olave, yeah, doing the uh Dragon Ball Z um, you know, thing where they synchronize and they become the same person, Drake Lave. Um I can't remember what that movie is called. No, it's going to eat me alive all day for it, but I, I, this class is just missing that and so when we do a lot of these i think the jacksonville that is a main catalyst to why they made the deal for calvin ridley i think they're doing a lot of future scouting they're looking at the upcoming free agency class of wide receivers not very strong they're looking at this this potential 2023 nfl draft class and though there is something like it's not like there's that home run star that's right there so i think both of those teams going to back to what our original question was i think both of those teams are probably going to look offensive line as well and We've got some good offensive linemen who seem to be emerging this year. Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like a lot of these Olu, dudes. Fushanu, Olu Fashanu. Olu Fashanu. Yeah, Broderick Jones. All of these dudes are kind of like coming to the forefront of like, all right, they're all probably going to go top 20. You know, a lot of these dudes are going to go top 20. So yeah. You, yeah, I agree. You, you will be okay with that right there. Um, Ooh, something I wanted to ask. You. Philly's sitting there at four. Okay. let's Let's say they don't trade back. You're at four, and you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Three quarterbacks are off the board. Just have a little fun. You should say the three quarterbacks are off the board. I know where you're going. Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, who you you picking? Oh, man. There's no wrong answer. No, there's not. And by, and by no wrong answer, I mean they're both wrong answers because whoever wants the other guy is going to come after you in the comments, which is why I asked you about it.
1: So here's my answer, and uh-huh. I will not sit on the fence. For the Eagles, Mm-hmm. It's Will Anderson.
0: I still think I think I you're think
1: right. Jalen Carter has been the better player this year.
0: Yes, yes, I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly that Jalen Carter is like, the better. Player, Confidently, player I think Jalen Carter has been the better, more impactful football player this year. See, now I'm going back and forth. Now, now I go back and forth a lot on this, and now you're making me now that I'm saying it out loud. I feel like Jalen Carter's the right pick. But I
1: still think Will Anderson's really, really good, and I think the Eagles need an edge course, for next year. You, you get. Fletcher Fletcher, back on a one-year deal. Hargrave has been really good. Milton Williams. Is Hargrave a free agent? I thought he has one more year. I'm going to check right now. Um, I'm going to look. I thought he signed a three-year.
0: John he signed Hargrave. a three-year deal.
1: Oh, it voids. He is a free agent.
0: Yeah, it turns into void oh, buddy. Years. Boy's going to get paid again. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's only 30 next year, and he's playing really well this year. He's a really good player. Buddy... Wow. Wow, the Eagles put some void years on this bad boy. You see this? Three of them. They have three void years on his. Yep. Howie, you're an absolute madman. And they have Jordan Davis as well, right?
1: Remember that too? Yes, yes, of course. God, as I stare at our lads because he's on the IR, how could I forget Jordan Davis? I think it's Will Anderson. Okay, all right. (sighs) I do. I think it might be Jalen Carter.
0: He's, is he just too good? Is that the question? He's just I, such a good player. As if, if I was finalizing a big board right now, I'd have Jalen Carter above Will Anderson. I, I might too, which is crazy. I Not crazy because it's just that I think
1: Will Anderson is so good. It goes to show you what Jalen Carter has done.
0: Is Fletcher and Cox to be there one for, more year?
1: For like a month.
0: Is Fletcher I Cox to be there? on a one-year deal. Yeah, he is on a one-year deal, isn't he? Because I would love so that a, lets you move on from one of them. But I would love a world where Jalen Carter. Void years. Who does? Who does? Fletcher
1: Cox. No way. Does he really? Yeah, him and Hargrave. Him and Hargrave both have three void years.
0: Howie, you absolutely animal. He's animal. I would an animal, love man. a world where Fletcher Cox is back for one more year and could legitimately teach Jalen Carter more of his like pass rush savviness and then it's you oh know, yeah year two of jordan davis in the nfl and then jalen carter with fletcher cox mentoring him i think that you have then oh i love that it just that the idea of that is so tempting to me honestly if the draft were today if i was finalizing a big board today i think i would actually take jalen carter for the eagles instead of will anderson i also think fletcher will come back Another, I think
1: it'll be an affordable way. I think he'll come back. He He is 32 on December 13th. Okay. Cause what, didn't he think about retiring? Yeah. I mean, he's not obviously what he was, but I think you can get him back in the mold. How they brought Kelsey back this year to mentor the next guy up. How Kelsey mentoring cam Juergens. Kelsey helped them draft cam Juergens. I think there's a player relationship in that building that they would go to Fletcher, have him scout Jalen Carter if he was interested, and if they drafted Jalen, Fletcher would come back on a team friendly ish deal and handle that role of I'm gonna get this young D line room right before I go into the sunset.
0: Ooh, they do they do have That's Milton Williams. Think. They do have Milton Williams as well. Does that move move the needle for you at all? Yep. I mean like yeah, maybe I it. haven't seen him play this year. Maybe it is Um expecting.
1: obviously when they took him, he was a project-ish kind of player. Nobody thought Milton Williams was gonna come in and light the league on fire. I'm gonna pull up his his uh he is playing a lot of snaps. Mm-hmm. This well year. that's because uh he's gonna be he, Davis is out. Jordan Davis so he, is out. Yes, yeah, so but he's even playing, before he got so Yeah, you're right. His snaps more. have gone up a little since Jordan Davis is out. But he's consistently getting fifteen to thirty four. Five ish snaps a game. He's not putting up the pass rush production I thought he would. Who? Williams? He's only got four. four yeah, he's got four hurries, one quarterback hit, one sack. Hmm. So, and, and once again, I, I'd rather watch the tape before I write off Milton Williams because um, I think he could still be effective. But I, that's not stopping you from the Jalen Carter plan, right? No, probably not.
0: Probably not, it's, much, it's, it's not probably much in not.
1: this world is.
0: No, there's not much stopping Jalen Carter on the field. There's not much that would stop my uh, my love for Jalen Carter as a draft prospect. Um, Before we kind of move on, because I do want to get to our three players that we're talking about for stock market. Houston, Las Vegas, Carolina. Are we thinking quarterback, quarterback, quarterback? Because it gets interesting now. What are we doing? forcing Will Levis all the way up there? Yeah. Or Carolina's currently sitting there at third. Let's say Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud goes boom, boom, one, two. Or actually, how about I I pose it to you this way? You got three teams at the top. Houston, Las Vegas, Carolina. All three of them need a quarterback. Let's say there's only two to go around. Let's say the only two that these teams deem worthy are Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Which one of these teams, though, would be most likely to not take a quarterback? Is it the Raiders yeah and then it's Vegas them picking it two, so what do you think they'd pick one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter that would probably yeah. be what they do they would take Jalen Carter they, they, they yeah. they've
1: needed that interior player for a while they do
0: need they do need an interior player their O line's so bad though man I almost oh, feel man, like if, right. it's tricky if the Raiders are sitting there honestly they might do the same thing that the Eagles that I that I said Trade. that the Eagles would do and if the Raiders sitting there at two, you trade with Detroit's two first round picks, and you get two first round picks out of it.
1: Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I answered my own question, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that I almost feel like it's best for both sides for Carr to get a fresh start somewhere else. But mm-hmm. I, I don't. You never know what Mark Davis is thinking. It. These press conferences don't mean anything this time of year, but if I was a betting man right now, I would put it at 60-40 that McDaniels and that New England-ish front office is back. As much as Sunday night, we were like, hey, you got it wrong, just admit it. I'm not there yet that that's
0: happening. There has, to, there has to be a solution, right? You can't just fire a guy with no direction. You can't just be emotional about it and be like, wow, we lost the Jeff Saturday Colts. Get the hell out of here. You have to fire a guy within a plan afterwards to immediately recover off of that. So if they have the plan and they like the contingency plan, then you can move on from them. But if not, like if there's not another coach that they think could be a better option that they want to take over that team or whatever it is, then uh, then you don't. you're probably going to roll with them the next year and keep this in mind they Mm -hmm. i'm looking this up
1: right now they reached a contract settlement with gruden it looks like about a year ago okay so you paid out gruden to an undisclosed amount are you going to fire mcdaniels after this year and then hire another coach are you firing the gm that mcdaniels brought with him for this job how many guys are you paying at once? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. These guys are billionaires. Right. I'm saying how they think. They don't like having multiple guys on the payroll that do not work for them.
0: They do not work for them. They don't like that. Yeah. So. I don't know. Something to think about here. Something to think about. All right. We'll get to our uh, yeah. our three guys that we're going to talk about here on the uh, the stock market episode to give you some extra prospects to have on your radar for the remainder of what is the regular season of college football, just a couple of weeks left. But before we get to that, got to talk to you about our friends over at, at Mojo. They're posing a question to you, all right? What if you could have invested in Tom Brady's stock as a rookie? If, that, if you would have done that, your investment would have been worth over 4,000% today. Now it's not just a what if, but a who's next. Thanks to Mojo, the all-new sports stock market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passions. You can sign up right now on the Apple App Store to get your first free stock potentially worth up to tens of thousands of dollars if you play your cards right. Over 300 players are listed on Mojo, so you can invest in rookies like Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson, Drake Olave. No, of course, it's either Drake Lennon or that. Chris Olave. You can't split it. Well, maybe you can with Mojo. I don't know. Comeback players like Saquon Barkley, superstars like Patrick Mahomes. You can go along and make your money when an underrated diamond in the rough breaks out or you can even short sell an overrated rival if you think that somebody's on the down. So if you think they're a little over Rated right, diabolical. Now. It is diabolical. But look, we're out here to try to make money. How else are we going to become co GMs one day? You know, prices move with every play, every game, every headline, and you can buy and sell instantly anytime, all year long. So the action never stops. Mojo is live in New Jersey. So download Mojo in the Apple App Store today. Start turning your playmakers into money makers. You must be 21 years or older to use Mojo and located in New Jersey to make trades. If you got a gambling problem. Help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit Mojo.com for more info. also got to remind you guys about Symbol. You guys have heard us talk about them before, but our sponsor Symbol has their best offer yet for new users. Symbol is offering $500. Risk-free deposit right now for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you sign up with the code NFLSE, you get your first deposit with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you were hesitant about joining or simply have not done it yet, now you can do so with a risk-free deposit. Reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of sports betting – and turn it into a stock market, which we absolutely love. It's right up our alley. To give fans a new way to speculate for their favorite pro and college teams, now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download the symbol app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the app store using the promo code N-F-L-S-E to get your risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in up-and-coming teams like well, shoot, I can't even say the New York Giants or the New York Jets anymore because they're already on the up, baby. Ain't no up and coming about it. There is a top. Or... or. They're Amazon now, dude. It's true. It's true. You're too too late for them. Now you got to get somebody else. Or the top dogs, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Kansas City Chiefs, whatever it is. Symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge. Look, I'm a a New York Jets stockholder in Symbol. Still haven't sold it, baby. Sure. I still believe. Those payouts, man. I still believe. Those payouts have been real nice. They're uh they're they're gonna contribute to my Christmas
1: gifts true. this year. I thought about this during our uh, during your ad read. Mm-hmm. In our lifetime, do you think that we'll ever see a media member, like a draft media member, make it to GM? Mm. Let's put our life expectancy at a low bar of sixty years old each, so we got about almost thirty full years.
0: Uh, make it to the GM seat. Tricky, You're right? Eileen, no. You know it's a lot closer but to yes. It's than a lot it, more. Yeah, right. It's. I was going to say it's ever a lot was. To, yeah, right, right. It's a lot closer than it uh, than it was before. I don't know. I would love to see it. I'd love to see it. Obviously, we got Mayock. You know, like, we got Mayock to that seat. It didn't go very well, but it did happen. We did get Mayock there. Did not go very well.
1: No, yeah, I don't bring that one up a lot anymore. Um, it's. I mean, I know baseball and hockey and basketball have actually been much more open to hires like that in scouting or executive positions. Football is a big gatekeeping league in a way yeah. where I think... It's going to take a little bit for that door to open because, God forbid, somebody does it and is good at it. Right.
0: It's problematic. Anyway. All right, let's get to the stock market portion of the show, talking about these player prospects. Who's going up? Who's going down? Connor, who's your first guy you want to bring to the table today? First
1: one today is Tully Tui Palotu. Somebody that... Yeah, D-Line from USC, um, somebody that I don't remember how much he got on our summer scouting episode, but I know he was definitely involved in some capacity, and he's been really good this year. Uh, He's been really good this year. He's officially gotten double-digit sacks on the year after a really big, he kind of devoured Colorado's offensive line last week. He had two sacks. One was a strip sack. Uh, Three more hurries on top of that. Saw speed, to just the straight speed to power. Just drove a tackle back into the quarterback's lap on on one play. Rip move. Uh, He looks really good, man. He looks really, really good. I know it feels like scouting for the pack always kind of turns up late. You hear less buzz on pack players, it feels like. Maybe because they're playing at later games or just the West Coast or whatever it may be. And obviously, it's not a conference that overwhelmingly floods with nfl draft talent but there's absolutely plenty of really high-end talent so mm-hmm. uh tully looks really really good man and an edge class that just gets deeper by the week trevor every time i go into our database or watch some more edge players or counting all the guys from summer i, I don't know besides will anderson if it's a star loaded edge class right but it feels like there's a lot of capable pass rushers that will go from rounds two to four this year
0: yeah, I think that that's a really good way to put it. Even back into the first round, I think we know yes. that edge rushers are going to get there. So you may not see a ton of edge rushers in the top 20, but I do feel like this class is lending itself to there being a lot of edge rushers in the top 100. You know, like as you get towards the end of the third round, as we get into the fourth round as well, there's just going to be a lot of different edge rushers. So it's good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're throwing him on the radar. I feel like we've brought... A lot of new guys to the table on top of what we were able to do in summer scouting as well. So always good to get edge rushers, man. The NFL is are always going to go after different kinds of pass rushers, different guys with shapes and sizes to play in, even fronts and odd fronts. Guys that are more speed, guys that are more power, lighter guys, heavier guys, whatever it is. Edge rush plays, just uh, there's so much of a preference on it, so many different things that you could do that it's good to make sure that you cast a wide net when you're in your scouting profiles and when you're building out your big boards just because you know the nfl is going to cover these different guys for different teams um speaking of some guys with some unique builds all shapes and sizes how about a cornerback that's six foot two 205 pounds i'm talking about jalen jones the corner from texas a&m he has started all 28 games of his college career going back to 2020 as a true freshman which is pretty damn impressive obviously the measurables totally stick out to you um when you're looking at cornerbacks a lot of the average height i think for a corner in the nfl is right around five ten and a half five eleven so anytime you get a guy who's above six foot it's somebody who's worth noting to see okay can this guy play can we make something out of this guy because he's giving you plus in the um in the build and the measurables jones I'll say that the reason why you like bigger corners is the prospect of them being able to come up on you, play in man coverage, get get their hands on you in press and be able to hang with some of these these wide receivers one on one. Not sure that's Jones game. For as much as there is a lot to like and I feel like he's playing really well this year, um I know Mike Renner likes him a lot. I know he's in the top uh, I think 25 of Mike Renner's updated top 100 big board. Wow. He does. He is very patient. He's very calm. It doesn't seem like there's any panic in his game, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to come up to the line of scrimmage. I think it pressia with a ton of success. He's an off cover three, kind of a corner. And He'll give you a little bit of a cushion, but he manages the cushion well. He doesn't really get beat deep over the top. But I will say that when he's got to open up and when he's got to run deep down the field with guys, sometimes the athleticism doesn't always show up. So that makes me think, all right, there's a reason why they're playing him in off coverage. There's a reason why they're not playing him up close towards the live scrimmage. It's because he might get beat over the top a little bit more than you'd like. But he seems to really understand the space that he gives wide receivers right off the snap. Makes him a really nice cover three corner, a really nice zone corner. I think that he's got that Saban shuffle if you will mastered how he gets down the field where he doesn't have to fully flip his hips and turn and have his back to the ball he can really squeeze you to the sideline limit that kind of um, limit that kind of ability and route stem from a wide receiver where you know he'll just keep retreating a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage closer to the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden you're using that out of bounds marker almost as like as an extra defender so he's very smart in that regard and I like the way that he plays there again a patient dude Seems to have a calmness to his game. There's not a lot of panic, which is great, but the athleticism is just the big thing for me. If you're running a cover three system, he seems to know what his assignments are really well, and he seems to be in control and in charge of his zones. But you don't want him running one-on-one, even with a lot of wide receivers at the NFL level. I just don't know if he's going to keep up. I'll say this too. Last thing, I'll I'll, I'll end with a positive on him. Physical guy. You know, when he does get up and get hands on you, he's comfortable with it. He likes it. He prefers it. He's also a really nice tackler. A lot of the key plays that we have in our database are of him getting through blocks, coming up towards the line scrimmage, making tackles either when the ball arrives or in the backfield or not too far after that, you know, not giving guys a lot of yards after the catch. So definitely not afraid to be physical. I know a lot of teams are going to love that in his profile. They're going to love his length as well maybe a little bit of a worry with that, with the, with the top end athleticism. But if you're a team that predominantly plays cover three, you're going to like the length and you're going to like the mentality of Jalen Jones from Texas a and A
1: lot of teams looking for cover three quarters coverage, split kind of corners that are big like that and, and play with awareness. And uh, man, if you're a bigger corner, you you just get a little bit of a boost on boards always, for a lot of always. teams, And rightly so. I mean, I don't want to use Tariq Woolen for everything, but it feels like every year there was a Tariq Woolen, not level athlete, but bigger project corner. And when they hit like he has, it's just worth taking that swing. And certain teams even have thresholds for corner size that'll yep. help a player like that. So uh another another one for me. Who it's fascinating because he's just lighting it up, but I don't I have no idea truly where his draft process is going to go. And that's Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback for uh, SMU. Yes. I mean, he's got eleven touchdowns in his last two games. <laughs> he threw nine against Houston. And uh he's got fifteen touchdowns in his last five games. Obviously at SMU, they throw the ball all over the yard, but Trevor this week. Against USF, he had six big time throws, and his completion percentage was eighty one point five. Nice. You watch some of those big time throws. There was one that was dropped, that was a, a deep, outside the numbers throw in the bucket. That was just beautiful, beautiful. I mean, Mordecai interesting, right? He's a former four star transferred from Oklahoma. He's really, really turned it on this year for SMU. I did some research before this show to figure out where he might stand. He was, there was 36, Uh, this is a tweet from Joseph Hoyt, who covers uh, a lot of college, it looks like, for Dallas News. He said, 36 quarterbacks featured on the Senior Bowl watch list. Uh Tanner Mordecai, a redshirt senior, was not one. So, I mean, obviously he's played really well this year. His stock up, hmm. his stock is up. Maybe not a Senior Bowl quarterback, maybe not a guy that declares. He has that extra year of eligibility if he wants it, but... Maybe a shrine quarterback, maybe NFL PA. Very interesting how you evaluate someone that he's 6'3, 215. He's making beautiful throws. He's super productive. What is his process going to look like? I'm excited
0: to dive in. Yeah, it's very yeah, that's very interesting that he wasn't on that, uh that he wasn't on that list. I mean, you, you mentioned the NFL always kind of going after corners who are a little bit bigger, have a little bit more length to them. I feel like if you're a quarterback and you got a lot of big time throws, the NFL is going to take a chance on you too, right? All you got to do is hit it big on one quarterback and everything could be different for you. So I wonder if that'll change as we get closer to draft season, if he uh, ends up declaring where he ends up going for, for an all-star game. Cause I do think he's going to end up at one of them. It's just um, where he ends up going. I want to highlight dwan Jones, the offensive tackle for Ohio state. We've talked a lot about, um paris johnson jr on the other side of things their left tackle well ohio state's right tackle has been getting some pub lately as well and i had i hadn't had a chance to really get some eyes on him and i did earlier this week was able to watch a couple of games of him and i'll just give you guys my thoughts on him so he's six foot eight 360 pounds the man is skyscraper alert he, he reminds you of Makai Becton. He really does. I was reading a story up on DeWan Jones as I was doing some background information, and he's actually lost weight. I think he was right around 375, 380 is what the article was saying, and he had to lose a little bit of weight, Lose lost about 10, 15 pounds coming into the season, and Jones said he felt great. After even just taking off 10 to 15 pounds, he felt healthier. He felt more balanced. He felt more in control. And he actually said that he wants to eventually get down to 345, 350. And I think that's probably the comfortable weight for him that you want to see him get to as you would expect from a player who is that big. I mean, if you get in between the shoulders of this guy, it's over. I mean, there's just, if he starts running and he's got his full momentum to you, there's not much that you could do, whether you're a linebacker, a defensive tackle, a defensive end. Uh, he is definitely going to absolutely run you over. He played left tackle very sparingly as a freshman and a sophomore at uh, Ohio State before finding a home at right tackle, which he's been able to start over the last two years. True senior. So he's got that senior tag, which so is his fourth year at Ohio State. For reference, Makai Becton was about six foot seven, 365 pounds. They do have somewhat similar styles. I would say that Jones is not as much of a bully. He's not as aggressive in the run game. Like Makai Becton would absolutely erase you in the run game. I don't see that kind of a mean streak with Dewan Jones. When I say that they're similar, what I'm talking about is more of the negatives, unfortunately, because for as much as as this is a sport where the saying rings true, big people beat up little people, and you're always yep. just trying to get the bigger giants on your team because it often goes well for you. Jones, unfortunately, the natural negatives of being that big show up. One way is that just a lot of mass to move, man. And so he's not going to be able to fire off the ball, the arms, the legs, the, the shoulders, the everything. It's just not going to move as fast as it is for, say, when you watch Paris Johnson Jr. right on the other side of the line of scrimmage, when he's, boom, firing off the snap, getting his hands up, getting into his kick slide. Like, all the, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. You can see the athleticism there, but Paris Johnson Jr. is what? 310, 315, right? He's got yep. about 50 less pounds on him than Dewan Jones does. And I do think that Jones moves decently well for a player of his size, but anytime you're that big, there's only so fast you can go, right? It's like uh, it's like how people talk about Darnell Washington, the tight end at Georgia, right? When I watch Darnell Washington, I'm like, yeah, he's athletic for his size, but he still ain't moving like super well. And it's, you go, know, what can you expect? He's just so big. You're trying to move so much mass. So with DeWan Jones... Anytime he's trying to execute any kind of zone blocking where you're getting him to go horizontal, it's a little tough. Anytime you're asking him to reach block, even though he's big, it's tough because he's got to move around. He's got to flip the hips and he's got to, you know, he's got to turn the shoulders and he's got to make sure he beats the offensive lineman to the spot. If you're asking him to climb to the second level, he can get up there. Yeah, he's got he's he's a little bit lighter on the feet to get to the second level but i feel like i saw a lot of defenders get across his face very easily just because it's tough for him to keep up with them those guys are sure. moving and exploding a lot faster than he is able to i will also say that an area of his game that has to has to has to get better is naturally when he stands up as a 6 foot 8 individual the hands are up here just because he's way taller so if he's going up against a six foot one six foot two edge rusher who can really get down into their stance in a three-point stance or a four point stance, you're losing the leverage battle those hands are naturally as you come as Juan Jones comes out of his stance those hands are going up here and automatically there were a couple times that Penn State game specifically where whoever he was going up against on the edge just simply got their hands basically on the forearm of Dewan Jones. And then it's like, okay, well, now he can't even get to you. Now you're losing the leverage. Now you're probably losing the rep. So that is one thing that he has to get better at as he gets to the NFL level is the hands have to get faster. He's got to get so much faster with his hands because he has to keep them lower on his body. They have to be able to fire up. He can't get out of his stance and have his hands up here like some other offensive tackles that are even like, Six three six four sometimes he's six five can do because he he's just when he does that they're too high they're just too high up in the air so I feel like he loses the leverage battle a little bit too much. I know a lot of people like him because he's a mammoth human being. I know Makai Beck to win the first round. I don't know if Dewan Jones is gonna be my cup of tea. I don't think that he's gonna be a first rounder. Um, in my book, I think he's going to be more somebody you maybe take a chance on in the third round, but he is intriguing because I do think that he moves decently well since he lost weight. And I'd like to see if he continues to lose a little bit of weight. Does he get a little bit faster? Does that body move a little bit quicker? He's a massive human being. It's he's truly huge. one of those
1: things where you turn on the, um, the end zone angle of the all 22, and he's just the guy that jumps out to you. Right. Got on <laughs> sleeves most of the time, right? Red sleeves that make him look even bigger because he's already huge. Uh, the way his stance is. I-, I wonder if his process is kind of like Philale's last year, where you look sure. at him and go, man, he's so big, but with that comes limitations that he's going to be very scheme specific. Like the Ravens taking Philale was like, duh. Of course they did. With what they, what their run concepts are, what they ask of tackles, how they develop offensive linemen, how they specifically develop bigger, clunkier but powerful offensive linemen in this era. But I'll say this for Jones: what's incredible for him is, um, is that he's not not allowed a sack this year. He's not allowed a quarterback hit. He's allowed three hurries. I mean, he is. Even on his bad reps, Trevor, he's hard to run around. He's he's just course, tough to get around right. and pass throw. That big. was always a selling point for Beckton. He's just that big where it's very hard to beat a guy even if – but I agree with you with the hand usage. Being a skyscraper tackle actually comes with a lot of disadvantages too, mm-hmm. and it's worked against guys like, uh, you know, to an extent, Philele, the Flo- the Florida tackle that Seattle took two years ago. Oh, man. He was six foot nine, six
0: foot ten. Oh, uh who was it? Give me it wasn't... uh Forsyth was his name, it was right? It, was it Stone Forsyth? Was Stone, Stone Forsyth, Forsyth that big? Was oh he my that god, big? he's he's gigantic.
1: He doesn't weigh as much as Dewan Jones, but he's six foot eight. Okay, all right, then yeah. yeah. Yeah, there
0: you go. Stone Forsyth.
1: Yeah, so just playing that high naturally. Yeah, it's Not tough. because of anything
0: you're doing. You really gotta think about it. Yeah, you really gotta think about it. My last one here, um
1: Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State. He got a senior bowl invite. There's a video of him of he like taped the invite. I I haven't seen on the senior bowl account that the invites accepted, but I'm assuming Jamie Robinson is going to be at the senior bowl. Um, I got to watch a lot of him this week. I, I really just like his demeanor as a safety. He's sub six feet tall. You'd never know. Physical run defender plays fast downhill, just an edge to his game. He loves running around and kind of being the tough guy in the room he, he hits hard. Um, he's got 128 snaps in the slot, 247 at free, 176 in the box, and he has special teams experience on kick and punt coverage. So Jamie nice. Robinson, he is going to be a cup of tea for coaches. Uh, that Florida State defense is a couple guys like this that are going to be very, very well-liked by the NFL scouting community. I already know Jared Verse is getting rave reviews, and we've right. talked a lot about him on this show. But Jamie Robinson is the other guy on that defense that – He's just awesome, man. He's just awesome. Fans are going to really, really like him. I think if he does ultimately go to the Senior Bowl and accept that invite, that is uh, in his hands right now, he will be a he will have a lot of fans for that safety room right away.
0: I'll uh, I'll end it with another safety as well. You know, this is a guy that we talked about in summer scouting and somebody that I wanted to check back in on because as people have started to release. Their top 50s, top 100s. I've seen his name in there, probably around like the 70, 60, sometimes 50 range as well. JL Skinner, the safety from Boise State, who we watched over the summer, and this is just pure hitter, right? I mean, this guy is six foot four, 220 pounds. I remember saying that he came to Boise State weighing. 180, 185, and they've packed 40 pounds on this guy. And it's funny because you look at his frame. I'm watching him, I'm re-watching him this week. And I'm like, you could fit more weight on this guy. He's just a big, long, secondary player. uh, Plays a lot of box safety, a lot of downhill stuff. He mentioned that his favorite safety of all time is Cam Chancellor. And he actually absolutely plays like it. Definitely got a physicality. To his game. He plays a lot of different spots. He plays nickel defender. He plays a free safety, plays a strong safety, but it feels like he's best when he's getting to go downhill. Ultimately, Connor, after watching him again, and this year hasn't been as good as last year was, but he's still fine. I'm wondering if if it's possible that you just maybe throw another 15, 20 pounds on this dude and call him a linebacker. Like, this, what that's he what does. What best. He does
1: for guys like that.
0: You know, and it's, it's just it's what he does best. And I'm, I'm worried that if you even even streamline him to be mostly a box safety at the next level if you make him be a a strong safety there's going to be times where the offense really manipulates the way that you line up to where he's going to have to go up against tight ends he's going to end up going against slot receivers and i just don't think that that's where his bread and butter is i would rather put him in a comfortable spot where of course if he's playing linebacker sometimes that could be the case as well but i really do think that his His best players are when he goes downhill. It's when he's his fastest. It's when he's his most confident. And it's clearly what he wants to do. He wants to tackle. He wants to hit. I I like to throw some extra weight on him and honestly see what he would be like as a linebacker because I'm just not so sure he's going to be the athlete that you need him to be to play as a full-time secondary player. So that's when I looked at JL Skinner. I wondered if I'd see something different because I remember I I liked him in the summer, but I didn't love him in the summer. Some, Some other people did. And I kind of feel the same way after watching a couple of games from this season. I feel like maybe a transition to a different position at the NFL level might be in his future, depending on how much more weight you can get on that frame. And it looks like, it looks like he can stand to get, get, get a little bit, uh, get a little bit bigger. You could throw some extra weight on there, you know, just get on the, just get on the little Caesars diet or the, uh, the peanut butter sandwich at 3. A.M. You know, you're setting protein your shake, alarm, waking PNJ. it up, yep. know, throwing up protein shake. And uh and a PB&J there in the middle of the night and uh making it happen. So I don't know. Maybe that's in the cards for him. But if not, if he's staying at safety, I don't know, man. I should probably still see a, a day three guy with him unless we're seeing something different.
1: Did you mention, too, he's officially accepted his invite for the Senior no, Bowl? No, I didn't.
0: I did yeah, not. Yes. So
1: JL Skinner, another safety, safety room is obviously coming together. Assuming Jamie Robinson accepts his. JL Skinner did accept his invite for the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you, Trevor. He's built like a small forward. It's it's really interesting. Just like, he's yeah. just this tall, up, upright guy. You see him in even pictures without pads on. There's a picture of him holding up the invite with some staff members, and he's just tall, lanky. Um, I, I mean, there's just so many guys like that in the NFL right now that are listed as a safety, but they really play in the box. They're... I mean there's at, no teams really run out there with three traditional linebackers on a majority of snaps anymore so if you have a third guy that's this hybrid kind of guy yeah I'm with you that's absolutely his role and maybe that's something that they will discuss down there for when he gets down to mobile to to get some looks so um I, honestly loaded show today my god for yep. the for the midweek show we what? have a lot we just have more and more to cover with the draft right now it's it's mm-hmm. becoming more more relevant as seasons are, you know, sorry to those fan bases, but they're over um, and they move on to huge expectations. And I mean, this was, it was interesting waking up this week and I sat down and like, while I did NFL stuff and it was sure it was a little different because the jets were on the buy. I was like, man, I'm updating the doc for senior bowl invites, shrine invites, uh, guys that might declare guys that are on the rise, guys that I've heard from agents are thinking about declaring and don't know what to do. And it's, it's an exciting time of year. Of
0: course it is. Of course it is. That's why the show is loaded. That's why every Wednesday show is going to be loaded, and it's got to be must-listen for you guys. Thursday show, it's always a wild card, so we'll leave that to the mystery. We will We uh, we we'll I got a you... request. Uh, you mean from a... Is this from you or from somebody else? No, from a sex addict. Okay.
1: Uh, the people are screaming for us to fix the Raiders. Really? The... They? Yeah, I... Maybe we got to fix the Raiders. We might have to fix the Raiders. Trevor and I will text through it um, after we're gonna, the show. We're going to fix
0: the Raiders at some point. Whether That's the, it it's is... going
1: to happen. I, it, that is such a full transparency for why I'm hesitant to do it now. That's a huge episode. Like The Raiders have a, a massive episode. fan base. Right. They're very passionate about the offseason. They're very passionate about this disaster I, right now. I, almost... I want this episode to be like... As perfect as it can be,
0: I almost want to say I don't think we can do the Raiders yet because we there's a chance the McDaniel's is is literally gone. So I don't want to. I don't know if I want to do the episode until we 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 know a little bit more about who's going to stay, who's going to go. I, I agree, and I selfishly also want
1: their draft slot to be more solidified when we do their show. Maybe we'll give
0: it we'll give it a couple weeks.
1: But maybe I, we'll, I do maybe... want to
0: shout out. We were a to let them know we're it's on our brains. It is, it is coming at some point. It's not going to come this Thursday, but that is an episode that we I definitely want to get into because when we do those fixture franchise episodes, we dive deep, we go into everything, we go into how they got to that point, we go to the regime, who's staying, who's going. We go to salary caps, we go to draft picks, we go to potential head coaches, we go to Outlook, we go to everything. So for the Raiders, I do want a little bit more clarity before we get there. Shoot, I can tell you what I would want them to do, but if it's not realistic, then I also feel like it's kind of pointless for the people. We want to probably give them something a little bit that they can look forward to. So we'll keep Thursday open, but yeah, it's a good shout out. Good shout out there to Raiders fans to make sure they know that the fixture Franchise episode is absolutely coming. We are definitely going to get to voicemails tomorrow. No matter what the topic is, no matter yep. what we're doing, we're going to get to a handful of your voicemails. Speakpipe.com backslash N-F-L-S-E. It is a super simple thing where when you go to that website, you can just record your voice. Say what's up to us. We would love to hear your name if you're comfortable giving that because we want to give you a shout out on the show. We want to give you a shout out by name because we appreciate you listening. So like, tell us your name and then just get off a take. Like whether it's a draft take, whether it's a playoff take, whether it's a team take, whether you're there to press. Right, sure, sure. Eight I mean, Thanksgiving? Like if, Tell like us. If, you, if you want us to rank uh, Thanksgiving dishes, if you want us to rank light beers, hot sauces, literally, like literally, I mean, like with this this speak pipe thing, it could be anything. It could be a Top cool Top three hangovers of all
1: time. Whatever you want, oh, we have to answer. What would be so, my top three? Oh, man.
0: That, that will be a really good summer show one day. I promise good, you that. It would be a good summer show. Maybe we can sneak one of those in, though. So, You're look, speakpipe.com/NFLSE. Hit the voicemails. Uh, let us know what you want us to talk about, what you guys want to talk about. And then uh, we'll see what the rest of Thursday's episode brings. I am Trevor Sickema. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you on Thursday.